Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into The Smash, which will ordinarily be on Sunday nights at this time, but uh, obviously an interesting week. You can see the man right there. He's Irish Chappelle. I'm Jeff Cameron. This is fan-driven tonight, guys. Ask away. You can be on topic, off topic. We don't care. We're getting set for this Ole Miss-Louisville game, getting pumped up. Just worked a late night, but it was rewarding, I think, for all. If you were in attendance, you watched this game, and certainly for us working it. Uh, a lot of fun. So let's talk about it. Let's answer some questions. Let's get some perspective. Let's hear from you. Like I said, it's fan driven, so it's pretty much all over the map. And uh, we'll we'll answer and uh, try to do the best we can. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Yeah. So normally it's gonna be on Sunday nights. That's why it's gonna be the smash, the Sunday smash. Yeah. As our good, as our good buddy Tim Vlinefeld said, if it, if we knew it was gonna be on Mondays, we would call it the Monday Mash or something. But uh, in, during the season. <laughs> More often than not, it's going to be on Sunday and uh, should be a good time because we'll get to reflect on Saturday's games, but then maybe even touch on some of the NFL and not just FSU, but you know, maybe if there's a big story in college football or the NFL, we could touch on some of that as well. Anything we want, anything we want right off the bat. It, uh, we've got some folks chiming in. I want to encourage you to do it. Ira's going to be plastered by the time this thing's over. I saw uh, in the back room, you guys can't see it, but he had slammed two. That's his third right there. We're getting a little silly. <laughs> I just I always shotgun two before a show. It's, That's just what I. It's do. a system. It's yeah. a system. Um, so Nicholas writes, "Go Knowles." Hank thanks us for the hard work. Thank you. Um, very winnable games the rest of the way, perhaps. Yep. Um, let's go right here uh, to to Reed, who says KZ better start next week. You know, Ira, that's been the interesting fallout from all of this. I say fallout. It's been an interesting storyline. Um, you know, I don't know how much we can say or how much we should say. We've kind of had to dance around this subject through all of camp. I think now that the season has started and uh, Florida State has uh, played a game and we get a little bit of a sense of, of, of what we're look, looking at, people just need to know – feel free to add on to this, Ira. I, I think people just need to know that, look, guys – McKenzie was very limited in camp, whether that was by choice, load management, dealing with some some left lingering stuff with the injury. As we all know, that was a catastrophic injury that he's been battling back from. That's why it's such a great story. But with that, there was a lot of time missed. 
And then I think the other thing is, Ira, we saw it. You saw more of it than I did, but we, we all saw it if you were at these practices. Jordan really did have a very good camp. Um, so the oddity to me about what we saw last night was that, unfortunately, because I'm really rooting for him, he really did revert back to some bad habits. And I think uh, the pocket didn't look comfortable for him, even when he had one. And so I think that's that's a bit troubling. And then Z kind of true to his reputation, I guess, from people who followed him at, at UCF, when the lights came on, my man was ready to roll, obviously. And he certainly understands the timing of the passing game. So I think you're going to need them both, but I get it. I get it. In the passing game, McKenzie looks far more polished. Yeah, you know, part there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on here, though. I think that's important to think about, and we can kind of hash some of this out. But you know, Jordan Travis kind of tore up Notre Dame last year. He that was his first start. Nobody knew anything about Jordan Travis before he started that game last year against Notre Dame. He had come off the bench against Jacksonville State, had a couple of nice runs. But he had never been the guy in really in college football. He didn't get to do it at Louisville, and he certainly didn't do it at FSU. And so Notre Dame was kind of taken off guard when he played against them last year, and he put up over 300 yards of offense. He had some nice throws, ran the ball really well, orchestrated an offense that put up 26 points against Notre Dame, which was a good total against that defense last year. And now this time they had an entire offseason to prepare for him, a new defensive coordinator, Listening to the comments from Coach Norvell last night, sounds like there were some things thrown at them that they weren't prepared for. And watching Jordan Travis coming off the sidelines, just watching his interactions with Mike Norvell, it's different than maybe like when Jimbo would stop the quarterbacks coming off the sideline. He's not necessarily screaming at him, but he, you can tell the conversation is very much, okay, what did you see? Uh, you know, what are they doing? And there was a lot of uncertainty. And now, I think fans will hear that and say, okay, well, he can't read a defense or he can't. I just think it's it's this is a very small sample size. We're talking about a guy who, again, has only started six or seven games in his career, but especially in this game because he was getting a team that prepared all all offseason for him. I mean, Brian Kelly said a couple weeks ago, you know, we're Jordan this Travis. This is his is team, yeah. Yeah. So that they were preparing for Jordan Travis. McKenzie comes in later, and I'm not trying to minimize what McKenzie did, but he you could tell how differently Notre Dame had to play when McKenzie came in the game. They backed off. They wanted to try to play zone, kind of try to clog up some some throwing lanes. But that wasn't their whole game plan. Their whole game plan was to stop Jordan. So, again, I just think it's a small sample size. We just need to take our time. And then to the other point you made, I mean, Jordan, McKenzie even said last night he didn't know how his leg was going to handle getting hit. That was the first time he got yeah. tackled yeah. In, in, since the injury. And – he was kind of pleasantly surprised. He got right back up and, and played the next play. But it, how do you put everything onto that guy, not knowing how he's going to handle that? Um, so I just think this is something that, you know, Jordan Travis brings a lot to the table. I think you're going to see both of them going forward. Maybe KZ starts, maybe he doesn't, but but I think you're going to see both of them. I don't think there's any question you're going to see both of them because the offensive line is a question mark week in and week out. And if they suffer injuries, you know, you don't want to put McKenzie in a position where he can't protect himself. Um, and 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 I'm not saying that if McKenzie Milton doesn't start getting the kind of reps that you'd like to see from your starting quarterback, um, that he won't be the guy moving forward. Because I do think uh, Florida State would benefit greatly to have somebody who really understands the passing game and, and gets the ball out on time. Uh, it benefits the receivers greatly. I know that. 
Uh, and also, I do think in due time, Jordan Travis running as much as he did last night will once again lead to injury. And we saw him begin to break down. And that's just, you know, listen, that's a situation that uh, we know in the past has affected him. It would affect anybody to get hit that much. So um, I, I do think it'll be interesting to watch it play forward. I don't really care who starts. I care who gets the bolts of the reps and how effective they are. So we're going to be watching it carefully no matter what. Uh, I think fans get caught up in who starts the game. I, they could have a plan for both. But I think at the end of the day, if Mackenzie Milton is able to rep it and play uh, effectively each week in practice and get, get the time necessary, yeah, he'll probably take the job over. Um, but in the interim, they're going to need both those guys to be ready to go on Saturdays. I, I don't think, you know, the story to me, you know, I, I, I know how it gets pitted one against the other. I'm glad those guys aren't that way. They're competitive, and I'm sure both want to start. There's no question there. But, man, they're kind of emblematic, Ira of how well Mike Norvell and his staff have done getting guys to come together and getting guys to play for each other and with each other while competing fiercely for that time. That's kind of hard to do, especially if you have a bunch of transfers. But I thought last night the story was how hard they competed, how hard they fought, how hard they played, even when things looked pretty helpless down 18. Um, we haven't seen a Florida State team do that in a long time. I walked out of that stadium – uh, pretty proud. I think most people were pretty proud. Florida State's a place where when things are operating at peak efficiency, you know, take moral victories. But things haven't been operating at peak efficiency here in a long time. So it was good to see a sign that they're coming forward and moving faster and faster towards some semblance of a competitive team game in and game out who will fight you. Yeah, and I thought one of the, you know, you touched on the, their relationship and we saw it when we went to ACC kickoff during the summer. Uh, you know, Tom and, and, and Aslan and I and in Austin, when we were out there, they were uh, a little dig there that you didn't make the trip, Jeff. I'm just saying, you know, uh, yeah. you were, you were going to make the trip, but how could, so, how could I make the trip? I was in the process of being hired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll blame Gene then. Okay, there uh, you go. Yeah. Uh, but when we were up there, Mackenzie and Jordan, I mean, you know, they said all the right things, but you could, you could get the sense it's genuine. And I thought last night, man, you know, Jordan, the way how happy he was for McKenzie, uh, mm -hmm. I think was clearly genuine. And then McKenzie almost seemed like uncomfortable with all the attention on himself. You know, he kind of was trying to diffuse things. And I don't think that's just normal, you know, leadership, you know, 101, you know, we, not I, right. and all that. I mean, it was, I thought it was legitimately, he felt like that team, the entire team, from offense, defense, lines, defensive backs, receivers, running back. Everybody laid it on the line, and they didn't get the win. And he felt – you can tell he felt for his teammates. Um, so that's cool, man. You know, again, you know, so, you know, I was texting with a buddy of mine, and he was like, you know, really, Wake is still going to determine kind of everything, which yeah. we thought going into this week, and we, we feel it coming out of this week. But, but it's cool to see a team that the fans can embrace because, you know, I mean, it's just been a while since this has been a likable football team. Very long time since it's been a likable football team. I mean, obviously, my passion runs deep for Florida State, so you, you've wanted all of the teams to do well. But there are teams that are more likable than others, and the ones that will fight and play with each other and for each other, uh, then you want to see succeed for that and sacrifices there. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, listen, here, here's a question. Uh, w writes, uh, gentlemen, love the new show. Is JT – a one or two read and go quarterback. I thought they should roll the pocket, but I'm concerned that JT can't throw that way 
please tell me what your thoughts are. He, he struggles to go through progressions. There's just no doubt. That's the most disappointing thing, Ira, that I want. I thought we were going to see a big step forward from him in that regard, and we didn't see it last night. We just didn't. Uh, it's a good thing he's as mobile as he is and creative as he is and elusive as he is because he was not able to catch the ball, hit that back foot, release on time. A lot of it, you saw a lot of that rat trapping that we've seen before. So maybe at some point it, yeah. it gets there. I mean, he's going to continue to get reps, but um, he's not a guy right now that I trust to run the whole offense. That's for sure. It's uh, it's interesting, man. Like you, you see the progress in practice and this is where like it would be, this is the first time we've been able to watch a full preseason camp since yeah. you know Coach Bowden's years. I mean, that's really, you know, when Jimbo came in as a, as offensive coordinator, that's when they shut it down. We used to be able to watch spring practices and a lot of preseason, and then that all got shut down. So it's been a long time since we've seen quarterbacks go through, you know, the growth, seeing that development. And so, you know, like there's people that call for Chuba and Tate as well, but you can see how far they have to go. I mean, this – the this isn't an overnight process. And I can just say in the month that we've been out there, you've seen a lot of improvement. Now it wasn't on display in that game Saturday, um, but there's a reason they started Jordan Travis. There's a reason they have the game plan that they had because they felt like he could execute it. I think the combination of maybe nerves, Notre Dame, maybe switching some things up. Um, and then just, you know, some of the issues he has as a quarterback, I think all manifest, but, but at the end of the day, he still has only played a handful of college football games. Uh, you know, so it's it's. I think there is time for him to approve. You know, Corey's made the point a few times. I'm sure you have as well. You know, Christian Ponder that first year. I mean, you saw some potential, but he wasn't what he became the next year. I mean, sure. next year he was a totally different guy. Those 12, 13 starts or whatever it was made a big difference. Well, somebody brought up the fact that, uh, and we got a question about linebacker play. What did I think about linebacker play? Tommy asks. Wasn't very good on my end. Also. Why weren't we spying that tight end? Well, they tried a lot of different things against that tight end, and I've gone back and looked at it since. They they definitely did. They bracketed him. They chipped him. They did a lot of things to reroute him. You should know that he's arguably the best tight end in the country, uh, and he's only a sophomore. He's mini Gronk. Uh, he lit people up as a true freshman. He's just a problem. Uh, now I'm not talking about the bust. The bust is the bust. They didn't get the time. They didn't get the call in in time, and. Um, they were a little slow in getting the call in time, and, and, and they got beat on that. But the other plays, that's just a guy that is really talented, really big. Good thing for Florida State, he dropped a couple as well. well uh, but that, gonna, that guy's going to be a beast all year long. I was going to say something on that, though, man. But that's what competing does for you. Like when you put pressure on, on guys on offense, they, they're going to drop some passes. They're going to feel some pressure. They're gonna, they're gonna, if you hit them a few times – and that's what man he got lit up one time. Um, was it Sydney? I can't remember. It might have been Brown. Sydney Williams got Sydney him Williams. once. There was a lot of really good tackles. Ira he he got hit hard several so now, times. Uh, yeah. So now yeah. when you're when you're chasing that ball across the middle of the field, you got to think twice a little bit. So yes, they dropped some passes. Yes, they missed some opportunities. But part of that is because Florida State forced the issue, put pressure on them, and that's why it was so frustrating to watch this defense last year and really the last three years is they didn't put pressure on anybody. They was just like practicing on air a lot of times. And, that, you know, so I think they get credit. They get at least partial credit for some of those drops. You know, it's funny because it's a it's a valid point. Um, they hit and they were sudden. They were sudden last night. Sidney Williams very sudden a couple of times, right? There weren't guys like that on the Florida State defense these last few years that flashed, that came up and hit you, that triggered downhill very aggressively. 
that help make up the space and put their body on you. That's a really good sign. I mean, I know nobody wants to give up 41 points, albeit it's an overtime. The last three are kind of – you'd like to think freebies. But, um, but, but you know, I, I will tell you that nobody, nobody on that defense bothered to stop the run even a little bit last year. And this is a Notre Dame team that prides itself on running the football uh, effectively. And that was the shocker of the night, that you, if you go look at those numbers, they're up on the screen now. Uh, and it's not just the individual numbers for sacks and tackles for loss and all that good stuff. And, yes, Jermaine Johnson is an absolute as-advertised beast. Uh, but but it was it was a willingness to be physical and to play fast. So that's positive. I never answered the rest of the question about the linebackers. You know, they've got some guys that play hard. And they've got some guys that have improved. They don't have any currently. They don't have any stars at linebacker, Ira. Not not the way you – when you see really good linebacker play, when you watch uh, Georgia and guys like that play – or well, obviously Alabama, that's a different level. But when you watch teams that have good linebackers, it's a joy for me. It's one of my favorite positions to watch on the football field because uh, uh, the, the the recognition that it takes and the diagnosis, the pre-snap, all that stuff goes along with the physical and the violence. So that's, it, it, you know, it marries the intelligence and the physical together. Florida State just doesn't have those guys right now. And so I think throughout the course of the year, you can have games where some guys show up and play pretty well for who we are. And then there are going to be days where they really get exploited. And I thought at times last night they got exploited. But uh, that's something where we talk about improving the roster. You're really only going to be able to do that, I think, in due time by adding to the roster and recruiting better players. Yeah, and I mean, man, my expectations were so low at that position. Yeah. That yeah. just being in position a lot of times was good to see. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't let too many things – they didn't get outflanked a lot. Uh, you know, they uh, – there were very few times where – they didn't, you know, they didn't handle their assignments at least. Now that whether or not they could actually beat the block or or make the play, that was up in the air. But but yeah. for the most part, they knew what they were doing. And from where my expectations were, they they met they exceeded what I probably expected. But no, you're right. It's it is what it is. I think Kalen Deloach can be a nice player. Um, you know, we'll see what Lundy becomes and and Gainer. But yeah, it's not it's just not going to be a strength of this team. No. Uh, John writes, do we think Notre Dame is actually a top 10 team? Is it a three-point loss to Notre Dame going to be impressive three months down the road? What's the beauty of college football? We don't know. I picked under their win total, John. Um, I do think no matter what happens with Notre Dame the rest of the way or what even Florida State does the rest of the way, I think we saw improvement last night. But it's a long season, and there are ebbs and flows, and you got to react, and you got to handle it, and you got to deal with the injuries, and you got to deal with uh, the preparation and the arduous uh, task of being ready to play every week. Uh, there's, you know, they didn't win the game. They still got to go out and win games. So they fought hard and they played well, but they've got to, you got to back that up. Now they'll win this weekend and they'll win this weekend, even if they don't play well, but they got to go play well against Wake Forest. Cause I think Ira, you and I both know if Florida State goes and loses to Wake Forest, this will be a distant memory pretty quick. It will be a nice night that we reflect on, that the fans were loud and there was energy and all that good stuff. But there will be real wringing of the hands yet again. And as for Notre Dame, replacing four of their five offensive linemen, obviously a new quarterback who played well in this game. i got to give him credit. Um, you know, I, I think you saw some, some holes there. You have a new defense coordinator, and albeit he's a really good one, but they looked a little lost at times, especially with their run fits in this game. 
uh, last night. So I think Notre Dame will get better. Uh, I don't think they're a, a playoff team the way they've been recently, um, but but I think they're a good football team, a top 15 team. Uh, and as for Florida State, you know, I want to see them get off the mat here and play really well in a couple of weeks. I, I think it's going to be hard. I read, and I'm curious your opinion. I brought this up today uh, on the on the Jeff Cameron show. I I don't think they'll play well coming up this Saturday. I really don't. They'll win, but I don't. I don't think they're going to play well. That was a really physical game that sapped a lot of those guys, and it's a short week. I can see this just being a very biz, business-like performance. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I, I could see it, no doubt. I mean, they had to replace some guys last night. Uh, it's kind of lost a little bit in the you know the fog of a game. But, you know, Maurice Smith comes out, Babyon Johnson goes in, had a couple of snaps that were, you know, pivotal in that game. Um, you know, they mm-hmm. also – Dylan Gibbons came out late in the game. We don't think any of these are serious injuries. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously Jordan did – cramp up. I know people think that, you know, it was all a hundred percent about McKenzie going in because of the helmet coming off, but Jordan was cramping up during that drive earlier. So, um, you know, they had some little things here and there and they had some guys, Jamie Robinson didn't play the whole first half, um, because he was still serving that targeting suspension. So yeah, so South Carolina. Yeah. So they didn't have their full team out there, you know, the whole game. I mean, there were some kind of different things they had to deal with. Um, I'm curious to see how they play, man. I don't think it's going to be – if they don't play well, I think it's going to be more a result of, as you said, the circumstances. It's a short week. It's a quick turnaround. That was a real physical game. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see how they manage uh, their – you know, how much act, how much hitting they do this week uh, to kind of handle that. But, but, yeah, I mean, but if they're just – you know, if it's a workmanlike, you know, just throttling – not, you know, just kind of handling business – then that's all you want out of a game like this. Um, you just don't want them to sl- see it become like a football game at halftime or in the third quarter. No matter how beat up you are after the first game, you know that that's not acceptable. Um, a lot of folks asking a lot of different questions, but I knew this would be a big one. Third and seventeen, the pressure, the all-out blitz, and and, the, and a beautiful screen call. And I love a good screen call as much as the next guy, but man. We're, we're in 17. You know you're going to get a draw. You know you're going to get a screen. That was kind of stunning. We, uh, so we'll, we'll get to talk to Adam Fuller, FSU's defensive coordinator, on Tuesday this week. Uh, they haven't sent out the schedule yet, but we assume we'll get the press conferences with the coordinators tomorrow. And that'll probably be the first question if, <laughs> or the second question. Um, and, uh, and Norvell's going to get hit with questions about the fourth down call as well. Um, so those are two that you know, will definitely be brought up. A lot of people wonder why we don't go after stuff like that in the in the post game press conference, but truthfully, there were so many things, there were so many storylines in that game that it was kind of hard to go back to decisions that were made maybe in the first half or even early in the third quarter because Mackenzie Milton became such a big focus uh, of the whole thing. The comeback scoring eighteen points in the fourth quarter, I mean, those became the big storylines. But yeah, those those would be big questions. I, I don't. The only thing I can think of, man, is that that. I mean, I guess it's possible somebody got a sign wrong, but I think it's more likely that I don't know if he got caught up in the emotions and just he just died of pressure. They're trying to force a mistake. Yeah. I think they were trying to create a turnover and they got burnt. But I also know that a, a very experienced team and one that has its head about them in a big moment like that uh, certainly is able to react to the uh, ole from the offensive line. Uh, that a voice has to go off in your head yeah. right there that. Uh, I shouldn't be able to just walk into the offensive backfield without being touched. Something's um, going. Something is afoot. Yeah, something, something is afoot. Hey, <laughs> you guys. Uh, there's a reason we're all back here. 
Um, but you know, you watch, it's funny when you watch the pros though, they're so, I mean, that's why they're pros. They're just so astute and so trained and so locked in. You, I, I love watching defensive linemen. They'll make a move off the line. They come in and they're like, if it was too easy, they just stop and anchor. Right. And then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then the hands come up, you know, every time. Um, they read it pretty quickly. Uh, but but our guys didn't last night. I think everybody was anxious to make a play. Probably a mistake. There aren't too many mistake-free games. Uh, and, and sometimes the ones that stand out certainly uh, – when they go for fifty yards, though, it's a and it hurt your feelings. It hurt your feelings. Yeah, that was that was a toughie. Hey, but hey, but the effort to 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 make the tackle down right. the field after being in the backfield, right? Like yeah, that. Those, those little yeah. things. Those yeah, Deloach, yeah. Those little things were things you you wouldn't have seen a year ago. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It's 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 and, tough. Let's yeah. And think about it. that was one of the plays. Remember that was one of the plays. I think it was early in Lamarcus Joyner's career. It might have been during 2013, but I thought maybe it was before. Where he had that play where that you know Corey made a big deal about, but we all did. Uh, where he kind of came out of blitz, fell down, the play chased gets by him, chased a guy, you know, basically 40, 50 yards down the field to make the play against the team, a game they were definitely gonna win. It wasn't like that he needed to make that play, but just that competitiveness, and that was the coolest thing. I mean, you touched on it earlier, and they just competed everywhere. I mean, everywhere on that field, guys competed, and that's is a fan base. That's why I think people didn't leave. Because I'm still Kind of surprised, man, at 38-20 that the students didn't leave. But I really think it was because they appreciated the way the team was competing, even though they, they weren't getting great results at that point. E. Regis gave us a little bit of a tip, and we appreciate that. Ding, ding, ding. Ring the bell there. Hello, gents. Do you think that we can continue with this momentum, or do you think we were riding on emotion last night? Thanks for all you do. Well, I mean, football is a very emotional game. You ought to play with a ton of emotion, but you got to be smart about it. I hope they play with that much emotion every week. I do think it's something that probably has changed for this team. I think they are invested. So you'll see a lot of that. Uh, there's no doubt, though, the longer we go along, uh, the more I worry that injuries will chip away and you can be as emotional as you want to be. But if you start to fade in terms of depth of talent, uh, that, that'll come, that'll come back to hurt you. You're going to get asked a lot of questions about yeah. Red Stripe, Ira. That is a Red Stripe. They want to – Red Stripe, you can reach out to my people. I'm available. Is that, a, is that a fresh red stripe? Did you already finish the other one? Yeah, man. Sorry. It's uh, number two. They, okay, go down, that's good. they go down smooth, Jeff. That's, that's, so- that's why we like them. That's why we like them. Did we but- switch roles for this show? What happened? <laughs> I'm drinking green tea. <laughs> um, you didn't get the show notes from Tom. Tom said, guys, you got to no, have hey, beers. You got to have beers. I'm willing. Well, there's some in the fridge. I can go get them. I mean, hey. I've never, I'm never without. I may, I may do so as we get towards game time at eight o'clock. Um, get back to, to some of the questions that guys were asking here, uh, and there's plenty of them. Jeff, your W's and L's leading up to Clemson. You had Knowles at five and two. The losses being Notre Dame and UNC. Is UNC still a loss? Actually, the reason I like this question, Michael, isn't about breaking down UNC's loss to Virginia Tech, which was joyful, uh, or Florida State's fine effort against Notre Dame. But rather, you know, the lesson learned all the time coming into a season, we have so much time to talk to one another, so much time to kind of speculate. And it's a lot of it's conjecture and all that good stuff. And some of it's based, obviously, it's an educated guess. But then you see teams play and have to replace certain players. And North Carolina lost a lot of explosiveness off that team from last year, in particular in the backfield. And I also thought they looked a little bit overwhelmed up front. So, Hey, yeah, all of a sudden you look at this defensive line from Florida State, you look at the anemic effort from North Carolina, not to say that they won't get better, and you think 
That's not an automatic loss. And I'll tell you what, we watch the University of Miami play football every year, and I'm not telling you Florida State would have fared any better against Alabama. They wouldn't have. And I'm not sure there's a team in the country other than maybe Ohio State who would have fared uh, very well against Alabama yesterday. Probably Georgia would have hung in there with that defense. But here's the deal, man. Miami has a habit of quitting when they get their ass blown out, when they play in a game and it doesn't go the way they thought it should. I'm not going to assume that they come in here wanting to play football at a high level that late in the year when Florida State plays. So all of a sudden, Ira, stuff is on the board because of effort, because of belief, because they care to buy in and try hard, right? Trying hard goes a long way. We can talk scheme and play calling and all that. But if you just fight and compete and play for one another, yeah, you, you got a chance to win several of the games on this schedule. Yeah, and that's, you know, going back to that previous question, I – I don't think that game was about emotion. I mean, they did play with emotion. And there are certain positions where emotions probably carry, like defensive end. I mean, Jermaine Johnson, man, he must – could you imagine the adrenaline? He going played that, so well. That dude's body before that game. Because it, it not only was – I think it's sincere again with him that he loves these guys. He's happy here. Um, they've given him this opportunity. But it's also – there's a little bit of, you know, how you like me now from him. I mean, he didn't get to be – an everyday player at Georgia. They used him as a situational guy and he played well. He had five sacks last year, but he wasn't the guy and he really wanted the opportunity to be on the field every play and to prove that. So he kind of had a chip on his shoulder and you saw that in that game. I don't know that that goes away when you play Wake Forest or somebody else. I mean, you know, so I think that, and I didn't think that the reason they played well was just emotions. I thought it was execution to some degree. I mean, even the the scramble drill that Jordan Travis, that everybody kind of forgets, it's a really nice play. Jordan Travis hits Andrew Parchment to cut the lead to 10 points with a two-point conversion. You know, that's a scramble drill. That's a play you have to be mentally prepared to do because they they have rules on, on how they run that. And when Jordan got out, Parchment did a great job of getting open. And, yeah, coming and, back, yeah. And then Jordan makes the throw and they, they get the play. But there's a couple other plays in that game where – they play. I thought they play, They showed some poise in some moments. So I, I don't think that game was all about emotion. I don't think they're going to have a huge letdown going forward. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, I understand the concern. I mean, that's obviously the Notre Dame definitely got the best out of Florida State. But I don't think that that was necessarily all about emotions. See this, Patrick writes. Corbin is built different. Next great FSU running back. Man, he was good. Uh, he was really good, and it was good to see for him. I'll say this, and Ira, you know this. For people at home, that's a good kid, man. That's a hard worker. You want that guy to be that kind of player because he has fought through and come back from a pretty devastating injury himself. And a lot of people at Texas A&M made the assumption that he would never find that explosiveness again. It was on display. I didn't know he had that in him, Ira. I thought 100%. he was a good player because he's – He's a smart player. We saw that a year ago. He got more physical as the year went on last year, so he looked like he was coming on late. But to see that, him going to the house from 80-plus, that kind of surprised me. Guys weren't catching him. That was impressive. Yeah, and see, that's why, like, my guy out of camp, I've been telling people, you know, just friends casually, I thought Trayshawn Ward is the best running back I've seen um, since we, we've been out of practice in terms of the possibility to break a long play. Now, Corbin's got a lot of versatility, man. He can run physically. He can mm -hmm. do the Wildcat stuff. He can run between the tackles. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I didn't know he had an 89-yard touchdown run in him. Um, now, they caught Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame was doing what they were doing. They were bringing everybody they didn't trust. They were not going to let 
uh, Jordan Travis, you know, run for 200 yards. Mm-hmm. So they had everybody up in the box. And, and once he got past that first line of defense, it was off to races, but he still had to outrun him. And uh, so that was impressive. If he can do that now, he's clearly, you know, I mean, he's a front line back. He's a, I didn't know last year if they had a front line ACC, SEC caliber running back. They may have two, man. I like Treshawn Ward a lot and Tofili didn't get a ton of carries, but he's nice too. So it's brought up here on the chat uh, that the O-line looked good for run blocking. Notre Dame helped with that three-man front. Pass protection was rancid. Pass protection was terrible. They couldn't block them. Notre Dame is one of the better fronts they're going to see. So, you know, now Clemson's better than Notre Dame up front. But by and large, you're going to get fronts that you can probably handle a little bit easier than Notre Dame's. I was stunned. I I really don't think Notre Dame – I think if Notre Dame had to do it over, they're probably kicking themselves a little bit about last night, especially because they kind of packed it in in the sense that it's 38-20 and they're willing to concede yardage for time. They figured that Florida State would – and Florida State did have to go on a long drive, but they did play that soft front. Kudos to the coaching staff for as much as we can pick, you know, pick and choose some things we didn't like. They did not panic. If they're going to give you the run and they're going to play that soft, take the run, take the chunks of yards, get down, put points on the board, trust your defense to make a stop or two, especially since Notre Dame themselves couldn't run the ball. And that's why I thought Notre Dame didn't make a good decision there. You're going to let Florida State – not let, but you're going to to make it easier for Florida State to score and and run the football. Well, you have to make an assumption if you're Notre Dame then that you're going to be able to go back out and get a couple of first downs by running the football. And they couldn't run all night long. And so you put yourself in third down situations where Florida State was able to get them off the field and get the ball back, and now they've garnered confidence. Now the crowd's back into it. Now Florida State begins to believe. I thought they were a little passive. I know if Florida State had done that in that situation up big and watched the team come all the way back, we'd be having a conversation much like you know Notre Dame fans are probably having right now, which is why the hell did we play that soft shell and allow Florida State just to run the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of things. If you watch Brian Kelly's teams a lot of times, they're not looking to beat people by 30, 40 points. I mean, he's not going for the knockout blow the way some coaches do when they have a team on the ropes. So I wasn't totally surprised by that. I don't know enough about uh, their defensive coordinator to know what he normally does in those situations. But I think from an overall standpoint, I think Brian Kelly, he just wants to win football games. And I think he wanted to show that – I think he wanted to see his team run the ball. When you went back, when I went back and watched his postgame press conference, first of all, he was very complimentary of Florida State which you appreciate. Um, you got the sense that he felt like, man, they ducked, they ducked one. Um, but he also, he talked a little bit about that and he just said, look, man, we, you know, we missed some, you know, we missed some gaps. We had, we got outflanked a little bit a few times. Um, but I think he thought, and he thought they would be able to run the ball better than they did. He, he was surprised. He was genuinely surprised that they only ran, they ran about 35 times for 65 yards. It's crazy. One year, one year after running for three, 50 against FSU. So I think he was surprised by that. And I think he wanted to see, hey, if I push these guys, if I force them to do it, maybe we can do it. And then they couldn't. Well, I'll tell you why I'm encouraged because Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator that Notre Dame hired, I thought that was one of the best hires of the offseason, bringing him in from Cincinnati. Cincinnati as a group of five, had an elite defense a year ago. He's been great five years running. He's an elite recruiter. Uh, he's a guy that is really well thought of and many think will be a head coach in the not-too-distant future, including Kelly himself, uh, who has said as much. The guy is so multiple. He runs that three-three-five, and they'll give you a lot of different looks. They like to bring pressure. 
So when they were passive there, I kind of found that odd. But I think they thought Ira, it was over. Florida State right. had kind of shut down a little bit offensively, was struggling. It's 38 to 20, figuring the game might be over. But that, the guts and the heart and, and the adjustment there and running the football, taking what they're giving you really does matter. That's, that's a kudos to the coaching staff. For, for being able to see the obvious. I mean, sometimes you get caught up in wanting to score quickly and you can be a little too aggressive and you play it, you fall into the trap, right? And that's a turnover waiting to happen. And we had some turnovers there. And, you know, I, I, again, I'm fascinated to see moving forward. Can Florida State run the – if McKenzie Milton is your starting quarterback, fine. Are they going to be able to run the ball consistently? Now, what will have to happen early in games – is they're going to have to show that they can throw the football on first down and, and get people to back off uh, without the threat of Jordan Travis's legs if McKenzie Milton is under center. So that should be pretty interesting. I mean, there's, there's trade-offs here. Yeah, and I thought, you know, again, McKenzie, it was kind of surprising. I've given so much of the credit for the running game the last last season and uh, coming into this season. They ran the ball so well, and I give a lot of that credit to Jordan Travis and the fact that defenses have to – account for him and what that does from a number standpoint. But when McKenzie came in, Notre Dame dropped way back. They played zone. They really were concerned about his passing, and that also opens up the running opportunities. So they were able to run it that way as well. Um, but what you don't know is how teams will scheme for McKenzie Milton. I don't think Notre Dame thought there was a real good chance he was going to play. I, you know, They're not idiots. They heard that there were some you know load management, some things, some days where he wasn't practicing as much. And they and I really think they thought Jordan Travis, because he played so well against him last year, would be the guy. So I don't know that they had a great game plan for Mackenzie Milton, but teams will. You know, there there are things they're going to do. And now, man, if you start bringing the house, I mean, he's he's got the quick release. He's smart. Those are all great things. But he also is going to have to wear some hits, and that's that's going to be a challenge too. The the release is uh, important to point out. You just did. Sean did on the thread here. It's what allows him to get away with having an average arm. He doesn't have a great arm, McKenzie Milton. Right. But, but he gets rid of the ball quickly. He's decisive. And I think he understands uh, the passing game. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that pre-snap reads well, knows where he's going with the football, and gets it out of his hand quickly. So I don't disagree with those who say, hey, you know, I understand what you're saying, Jeff, but maybe we should give him a look because that passing game sure looks different when he's in there. And you're not wrong. It does no because of that decisiveness, and he gets it out pretty quickly. And um, believe me, by the way, if he can practice and he's healthy, I'm sure they're going to explore it too. I don't know too many offensive coordinators or offensive-minded head coaches who don't want to succeed in the passing game. So, yeah, he's going to definitely get a look. And my dog agrees as he's barking in the background. He's a, he's a Milton fan. It's a KZ yeah. fan back there. <laughs> Here, here, I'll be able to hear you. Take Kyle's question, and I'll let the dog out. <laughs> uh, Travis Jay got a lesson. Kyle May says, Travis Jay got a lesson. At least he was in position. He will get better. Yeah, you know, Travis Jay, you know, that was kind of not an experiment, but we were curious to see how he played coming out of uh, camp. Uh, that was one of the moves they made last year. Obviously, he played mostly safety. They wanted to play him a corner some last year, but they ended up moving to safety. Then this preseason, they moved in the corner and basically were committed to it, partly because Jarian Jones was not available for early in the camp. Jarian Jones came back and he was able to play in that game. But, man, they love Travis Jay. And I like Travis Jay a lot. I think he's got a ton of potential. His coverage was good last night. He's just got to Very make good. the play. The one, yeah, he's got to make the play. I mean, the one the one where the receiver just, you know, kind of the back shoulder-ish throw, maybe it was a bad throw, 
But that dude just – you could tell that receiver was like, dude, that's my ball. I'm taking it, and you can't do anything about it. You that's Part of that is d- mental determination. I'm not saying Travis doesn't have it, but he's got to get to that point where when the ball's in the air, that's my football. That's not your football. I'm not trying to break it up. That's my football. And that's the mentality the receiver had. And, you know, just I think that can come. But the first step is being in position. He was in great position. Yeah, so there's two things. He gets beat. Uh, you know, I was really hard on Jack Cohn coming into this game, and he made some throws to shut me up. Hey, and I've got no problem. Real, real quick on that. Sorry to interrupt you. Back to the question about Notre Dame. I don't know that he's going to play that well every time out. You know? I, I don't disagree. And that made uh, the I, I'm not one game season. isn't making that. Yeah. Right. And listen, I, I'm going to tell you this. The throw that you just described for that touchdown in the corner, the, the there's two things going on there. When I go back and look at it, okay, that's not an intentional underthrow. That's not an intentional back throw, shoulder. He underthrows it, and Jay's in position, and is ch- he's chasing to the corner of the end zone because he thinks that's where the ball is going to go because that's where the ball should go. But he <laughs> underthrows it, and that receiver sees it soon enough to make an adjustment a half step before Travis Jay can turn around and because – He's in phase, so he can't turn around in time, and he kind of gets twisted, and that kid just makes a great play, to your point. Really makes a good play. And then I think I will give Jack a ton of credit for the throw. And um, If you were going right to left where Notre Dame was driving, that right corner end zone, oh, man, that, that is, beautiful. that's a dime. Dude, that's a dime. <laughs> I kind of felt bad for Travis there. I'm like, well, if my man's going to throw that ball, Dion ain't stopping that. So that, that was tough. Um, I, I think they're going to be fine. What you did not see, Ira, and to everybody on the, on the chat and listening, you just didn't see dudes running free left and right all night long. You know, oh, you yeah, had the early the bust. Yeah. yeah, you had the early bust, and the, the signal got in late. I don't know whose job it was to, to have uh, to have them lined up there, and they weren't ready, and they got beat on that. But you didn't see anything like that really again. There's like one other bust, but I don't know. There's not too many football games I watch where a defense, great ones or not, don't have mistakes. So, right. you know – the lines of communication were a lot better. They were much more physical. They were where they were supposed to be. I actually think they kind of come away from this game feeling a little bit more, well, a lot more confident than they did a year ago. That's for and, sure. And like you can't, you know, it's funny. Like I brought it up before, you and Tom were talking about it last week or two weeks ago about wanting to see, you know, just full speed defense again and aggressive defense and physical defense. Well, that only comes when you know what the hell you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's been mm-hmm. the problem. They've been so tentative because, and again, part of it's, you know, not all the players' faults. When you go from one defensive coordinator to another defensive coordinator, let's not forget, in Harlan Barnett's second year, Willie made him switch to a 3-4 <laughs> and change the defense that a defense that Harlan Barnett had never run before. Because right. that's what he wanted to run, and that's what Jim Levitt had run, and he ended up bringing in Jim Levitt. As a, but anyway, then the next year they come in with a whole new defense under Adam Fuller, but in a COVID year. So this is the first time in a while these guys have felt – I just thought they looked confident. They looked and, – and you saw the physicality come out. Those guys have to – even after giving up 41 points, I got to think a lot of those guys right now are more confident in themselves and that defense than they have been in a long time. I agree with you. I want to answer this question because it's going to be the question until we can find something definitive and move forward. But Red Redbeard40 writes, I understand JT outperformed Milton in fall camp, but what was the point of bringing him in if he wasn't going to be our projected starter? What am I missing? I was asking this before last night. So again, with certain limitations on what Ira and I can talk about from what we saw in practice, 
you just need to know that it's one thing to miss some practices or to play kind of a, a average at best week in and week out in camp and another guy play a little bit better than you while the coaching staff fully understands you're a gamer and has seen you do it and understands that when the lights come on, you're going to play. Guys, there was a lot of time missed. You call it whatever you want, load management, whatever it was. You, you, it's hard to make a decision if you want to keep credibility with the players who are practiced every day. It's hard to make a decision where one guy so thoroughly outperforms the other and is available every day at practice to then just run contrary to that and say willy-nilly, well, it was never really a competition. I'm just going to roll your boy out here. I don't think that you, I don't think it lends itself to credibility with the players who are out there competing every day. Now that is not to say moving forward now that you've seen this and he did go in the game and play well in the passing game instantly improved that you can't start obviously uh, leaning in that direction, but it wasn't just like, Oh, on Monday, Jordan Travis slightly outperformed Mackenzie Milton on Tuesday. It looked even on Wednesday. It was a little bit more Guys, there were days on end where one guy was practicing and the other wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, I think the to your point, there when you talk to people around the program, when you talk to because I man, I've tried to take a completely open mind to that whole situation from the beginning, going back to the spring. Like, let's see how this all plays out. Let's not make a decision after one practice that we get to see or one scrimmage or or one week or two weeks. And but really let it play out. And I, and I try to keep an open mind. And then I think it was about a week and a half ago we were doing, it was when we did the round table, the war chant round mm-hmm. table. And, and you asked me, I think one of the questions was, what do we think is going to happen at quarterback? And I said, I just think Jordan Travis is going to win the job. I just think he's done enough to prove it. We haven't seen enough consistently from Mackenzie Milton. He isn't always available because they're trying to take care of him. He's coming back from that injury. It just see, And then you talk to people around the team and there were people around the team who tell you it wasn't really that close. Like they felt like Jordan Travis was clearly the guy. So to your point, if the coaching staff then goes into the game and says, yeah, no, we're going with that guy. Because we know what he did at UCF and it doesn't go well. Now you've got other problems on your hands. So I, I, again, I'm not saying that that's why they determined it. I'm just saying there's a lot more involved than just what you saw in those two drives from Mackenzie Milton and in Jordan Travis's limitations. I th- personally, I think we're going to look back and we'll see that Jordan Travis plays better later this season. And I think McKenzie will keep coming around, coming, coming through. And I think they'll both play. Um, but I, you know, I, every, like, as you said earlier, everybody wants to be all or nothing, this guy or that guy. And I just don't think it's that case. Yeah. And listen, I'm really hoping that this is somebody who said when McKenzie Milton chose Florida State. The first thing I said, and I was far more dismissive, Ira, than you or Corey or others, I was like, that's it for Jordan. That's it. I mean, we're done here. Mackenzie Milton's coming in to start. You don't bring that guy in to bench him. And I stand by that. They, I think they accepted him in and, and actually pursued him to have him come to Florida State with the intent that he was going to start, that he was going to be the guy. But you can't just ask guys to go compete for the job and, and tell them it's an open competition. And one guy so thoroughly outplays the other and is available, and then just turn around and act like none of it mattered. You lose credibility with all those on the field competing every day. So I, I, I said the same thing. Towards the end, I was like, "Well, looks like Jordan Travis has won the job." Now 
now we have something of game film. Here we are. Here's a guy out there performing well. But I, I still will tell you that he's going to have to practice. They're not going to be able to prepare and install each week a game plan if he can't be out there practicing. I'm not saying he won't be. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying if he were to miss prolonged periods of time during the week, that's a problem. Yeah, and I also think Jordan – I mean, again, I, I just think Jordan – people – I think we because we've seen Jordan, and I know I get it, man. He's not Dan Marino or Joe Montana, but he's a really special athlete. And you know what, what Notre Dame did to them—they predicated their whole defense to stop him from running the football. That's how you got the sixty-yard bomb to Ja'Kai Douglas because they were, and probably truthfully, the eighty-nine-yard run by Jay Sean Corbin because they were so focused on Jordan Travis and shutting him down. You know, he's a special guy. When you watch Brian Kelly, go back if you haven't done it. Go back and watch Brian Kelly's interview after that game i'm writing something about the quarterbacks and i quote him in it and just watch the way he talks about jordan travis and how difficult of a, a it is to prepare for him they had all off season to prepare for him other teams will not yeah it, it's going to be fascinating i i do think um i i do think the offensive line is going to help dictate a lot of this stuff too uh but but i i right. do what i really want to see what i really want to see um, is is these two guys continue to compete. And more than anything, I want to see a case where Jordan's capable of practicing every day, McKenzie's capable of practicing every day. Give the coaching staffs a good long look at what they need and, and what they can implement for whomever it is that's starting. But you got to have guys available, and that includes this offensive line. A lot of those guys had to shuffle in and out uh, during the buildup to the season, uh, just dealing with lingering injuries and recovering. That was kind of the secret. Uh, during camp was that guys guys missed some time here and there. And, you know, you're never going to tell your opponent that. You're never going to say, oh, well, you know, we couldn't do some things today because this guy was out and this guy was out, and we certainly weren't going to report that. But we all know that there were guys who missed significant time. It seemed to be a different guy all the time. When you're trying to build continuity on the offensive line, that's problematic as well. So if you're looking for hope that that group gets more consistent – well, if they're healthy and they're able to practice together more and they started to get a lot more healthy towards the end of camp, then you feel really good about that improvement. They're not going to be world beaters. They're still going to struggle. This is not an elite offensive line. Their ceiling uh, is not as high as you'd like it to be because you got to get better players in here. That's what this next recruiting class is all about. That's why they've got six yeses uh, verbally right now. They may even try to get seven or eight. I don't think they'll take that many. But goodness gracious, they're going to throw numbers at it and quality numbers at that. But in the interim, you got to field something. you got to find a way to build some continuity. That can only happen if you practice together every day. And I think, you know, really a cool byproduct of last night. First of all, I mean, it was it was good for the fans. I mean, I think it was good for the students and the fans to, to just feel good about Florida State football again. And the boosters, I know FSU, Michael Alford, uh, Seminole Booster CEO, who we recently interviewed, um, mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're about to start doing these presentations and trying to sell – season ticket holders on this concept of renovating Doak and having higher end seating and, you know, chairbacks everywhere and suites and uh, all these different things that they're trying to do. Well, having a product that you like is a big part is, is really helpful in that area. Um, but I also think from a recruiting standpoint, and we all you know, know that they had a huge recruiting weekend this weekend. They had a ton of kids on campus, committed players, uncommitted players. And just think about that environment. Those, you know, the way that team played, with a number three recruiting class in the country right now, that was the big concern a lot of us had this summer was if they go out and lay an egg against Notre Dame, is that going to kill that class? Well, obviously that's not going to happen. If anything, it may just strengthen it. So, you know, that was, there's was a lot of residuals from that game last night. 
most all of it was positive. I think we get wrapped up in the little things that didn't work out in a loss. But I think if we're just going to take a big picture view here, this was a raging success. I'm glad you pointed it out, man. I was, and I walked. I I told everybody on on the show that I went to that game not as a media member, not analyzing per se. I I had notes and and I had you know to go back and watch again in the morning. But I went into that game with my dad and my two boys, and I cheered my head off, and I just hoped like hell as a Noel that they would show up. Because a big part of, of this turnaround is seeing a real fight in this group here and buy-in, but also what it means for that class, like you just described. Uh, the upcoming class is going to change the dynamic of this roster. Uh, and, and, and the real chance to take huge leaps forward and win big games and be consistently involved in big games is raising the floor. And so we walk out of that stadium. I hate losing. I hate losing. Uh, it still sticks with me, even though – I'm able to have a little bit of perspective at 50 that I didn't have at 20. But I'll tell you, I I could not be mad. I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. And, was and gonna, my dad, yeah, I wasn't mad. I was going to ask, I was gonna ask about your old man. How did he take it? He wasn't mad. He, You know, my dad's been coming to games for whatever, 40-plus years. And, you know, he hates losing too. But we got in the car together afterwards, and we had a long time to sit in that parking garage. Son of a bitch. <laughs> They're gonna have to figure something out about that, man. That's, that is that is out of control. I'll tell you what, um, man. It was cool to see people in the stands again. Mm-hmm. But driving to the game, man. I just I last year was nice. It was nice when there's only twenty thousand people <laughs> there. Cruise hey, in, cruise out. I, yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to bring all this up, but here you go. Here's my time to bitch. Um, so getting into the stadium sucked. Yes. That was ridiculous. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Half the gates are half closed. We're all funneling in here. And it's just absurd. And it, when you got up there, it wasn't even like they were going through too much security. I don't know what the plan was there, but it was bullshit. And then, <laughs> then, we're, then, then we're in the parking garage. We didn't move for an hour and a half. What are we doing here? So, about, all right. Just, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, see, I don't have to deal with that because we didn't get out of there forever. But, but going to the game was tough enough. Yeah, I think, we had, I think FSU, from, a, from an operations standpoint, they got to get, get back into the swing of, hey, man, 70,000 people is a lot different than 20,000 people. Yeah, yep, yep. Hopefully uh, – now, they're not going to have a big problem this weekend. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's going to be 80,000 strong for Jack State. But, uh, hey, what, but yeah. What, what did you um, – you know, just looking at the teams that they are going to play, though, and I know – I mean, we both expected North Carolina to drop off some. They, those running backs they had last year were unbelievable. Miami obviously didn't show anything against Alabama, but like you said, it's a tough ask against Alabama. But what – if you look at these the teams on the schedule, if you're doing W W's and L's again right now, mm-hmm. there's some games that now seem much more winnable, right? If Florida State can play the way they did Sunday night, yeah, I mean, I now I go into the Wake Forest game rather than that being a toss up. I I kind of think Florida State's going to win that game, Ira. Um, I think that there are a lot of games on the schedule that I would agree with you on and say that. Uh, they're 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 imminently winnable. They got to stay healthy. I mean, each week we're going to be holding our breath because it's not a deep team, so we're going to need guys to to stay healthy. But I I still you know it's funny we got to be careful not to overreact both negatively and positively in game one. There were a lot of positives. There's no doubt. It's it's worth pointing out. We should celebrate those things. There were plenty of negatives. Things that they got to clean up. No doubt about that as well. Uh, I thought big picture wise, we're right to point out that they're much more competitive. Uh, they're, but they're much more bonded together and fighting with one another, and they look cohesive and coordinated. They're, they definitely look coordinated. That was nice to see. It was my complaint all last year. 
But I know how this goes. I mean, it takes one misstep along the way. You brought up Wake Forest earlier. All the progress you saw against Notre Dame, if you turn around and lose that Wake Forest game for whatever reason, man, nobody's going to be feeling all that good about where this team is. So it's it's a slippery slope. you got to be careful. I, I agree with you. Um, on Kyle's question, or you want to read it? Okay, yeah, I got a question on attendance announced with 68,000. That seems way low given how it sounded and looked on television. I thought it was low too, right? I mean, the stadium, it doesn't hold 83,000 anymore, you know, because of the Champions Club. I think think the capacity was like 77, uh, 76 or 77. Mm -hmm. So that means there was about 8,000 empty seats. So, but it seemed pretty full to me, man. Like it, and I, we can't see the whole stadium from the press box, but it, I mean, it was. I could see the whole stadium, Ira, and it was packed. And I will also say this, bravo, students. Bravo. They they were there early. They were loud. You know, it's funny, Ira, and I know your daughter is a student at Florida. You have a daughter that's a student at Florida State. And I'm glad she has been raised well. And she's a smart young lady that will do right. (laughs) I walked into the stadium with my dad and my kids and we walked, we were where we were parked was over there by the IM fields. And so you're kind of walking in and Ira, I don't know. Were we that kind of that kind of out of control? And co- I don't, I don't. I mean, maybe, yes, we were. Yes, we were. I mean, good yes, we were. Christ, now, people, get it together. Yeah, I'm not sure that people were wearing the same clothes that they're wearing today, but uh, but yeah, man, no, it was definitely. I mean, dude, the thing is, like, you just you can't even put yourself. And that's again now having a daughter at Florida State. Like, I'm I'm waiting for the day. Like, I'm driving down, like you know Jefferson or Copeland or something. And I, and I see her and her friends like going to pop bellies or something. I'm just yeah. going to be like, oh, no. Like I'll, I'll yeah. drive into a telephone pole or something. Yeah, and Jacob's probably right. Yes, I was. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know what it is? It's the perspective where you realize that college kids, almost by definition they need to be, are so blind to anybody else. They're so here, man. It is all here. They are so – it cracks me up. I'm like, man, you don't even realize that family of four just walked past you while you two dudes were trying to impress those two girls by saying a lot of dumbass things. <laughs> it was really nuts. Yeah, but, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while. I'm spoiled, Ira. I've been spoiled. Yeah. I remember going uh, – the, and I'll go back to his question in a second. But, like, yeah, I remember when I was in college actually having that thought. We went to New Orleans one time, a bunch of friends. We're walking down Bourbon Street, and you know, like the kids will come over. They want to like shine your shoes and do whatever to try to make a buck, right? Yeah. And, and my buddies were like, I don't know, just they were acting. Guys and girls were acting like they were, like almost like they were at Disney World or something. Like they could do and say whatever they wanted, and it was going to be fine because they're college kids. And I remember thinking at the time, "Hey, man, this is no. our city, and these people." Yeah. <laughs> you, you say the wrong thing and we may have a problem here but yeah man when you're in college it's like not the real world uh really quick here as we round it out and in, in the last few minutes before we all go watch louisville and Ole miss um christian writes i got a question so if milton practices more will you start him well i don't make the decision on who starts but uh i think i get where you're going and yeah i believe that if he's healthy enough to practice every day he'll just win the job outright as a better passer yes i do believe that I mean, if Mackenzie Milton health-wise was the Mackenzie Milton from three years ago when he finished sixth in the Heisman Trophy voting, yeah, yeah. he'd be the starting yeah. quarterback. But he's still coming back from this thing that they didn't even know how he would handle getting hit. That was the first time he got tackled in three years. So, you know, that's going to be a process, I think. You know, we it, it's just we can't just assume he's going to go back to being that guy full-time. 
What did you think? You know, there's a couple things here. I, I will say I do believe the receivers have a chance to show us more if Mackenzie Milton is starting at quarterback. It's, it's not to say Jordan Travis doesn't do some things well. It is to say that if you have a, a rhythmic passing game and the ball comes out on time, it makes a difference for your receivers. That's a group that we didn't think would be star-studded this year anyhow, but I do think they have a chance to grow and, and take steps forward faster if we have a le legitimate drop-back passing game. That's all. Yeah. Let's just put it that way, a legitimate drop-back yeah. passing game. No, I agree with you. I mean, I think you saw Keyshawn Helton make some big plays over the middle when when uh, when McKenzie came into the game. I, you know, we didn't see – I don't know. Pokey Wilson must have got hurt or something because he didn't play a lot uh, in that game. They played some of the younger wide receivers. I think Darian Williamson's got a chance to show some ability. Yeah, that that core, I think, is could be better than it looked last night. It certainly did not look like a team strength last night just because they didn't get many at-bats. Let me do this really quick. Guys, this is ordinarily going to be on Sunday nights. We're really looking forward to joining you guys all Sunday, uh, every Sunday during the football season. Ira and I will be here for the smash. Sunday nights, 7 o'clock, same time we got started tonight. We're sitting here. You can it can be on point with Florida State, but you can talk about music. You can talk about movies. You can talk about whatever the hell is on your mind. NFL football, all that stuff as it gets started. The big bigger picture, all of it. Coaches, we're, we'll be happy to talk to you about anything. But that's every Sunday at seven o'clock. So make sure you like this and you do all the stuff. Just like and and, and what what else are they supposed to do? Ira? Subscribe, like and subscribe, Jeff. <laughs> like and who's drinking? Who's drinking this? Like and subscribe. Well, no, and, uh, like and subscribe. I forget what the kids do. Like and subscribe. Hit the uh, hit the thumbs up. Hit the bell. Do all those things. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, I yeah, want you know it'd be it'd be a great way if you could publicize the smash other than liking and subscribing. Like if everybody were to moon somebody and that represented somehow that they liked the smash, wouldn't that be <laughs> great? <laughs> Would they write on their butt? Smash yeah, I don't, I don't know. Smash? I don't know. I'm just thinking of weird things, just outlandish things. Because yeah. I'm just tired like of saying like and subscribe. A little secret like, code. Yeah, secret code. What if you just flick people off randomly and that meant you like the smash? Hey, man, don't don't get mad. I just like the smash. Yeah, yeah you just got people are driving past each other, just hey, and everybody's <laughs> like, what's just happened here? He's like, don't worry about it. He loves the smash. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. All right, that'd be great. Uh, well, anyhow. For Ira, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. I'm going to first tell you, though, that if you want to win 50-yard line seats to FSU's next home game, uh, you can stay tuned right here right now to find out how. And here's how. Uh, it's the indescribably good 50-yard line seats to FSU's next home game, thanks to Tallahassee's Zach Spees. Yes, indeed. You can win them. Here's what you do. Head to Twitter, tag at Warchant and at Zach Spees. Send us a photo or video showing why you love being a knoll. Ideas could include something like tailgating with your friends, showing off your fan cave, or capturing your reactions to big plays. Not mooning people, though. Not mooning. I don't think Zaxby's wants to be mooned. Wednesday of game week, after the Jeff Cameron show, we will select a winner. So it's a chance to win two 50-yard line seats. Thanks to Zaxby's indescribably good 50-yard line seats contest. Make sure you do that. Again, just tag at Warchant, at Zaxby's, what it means to you to be a no. All right, so we got that out of the way, but do that, guys. It's a chance to win. It's going to happen. Let's make it happen. Love you, brother. Be good. See you, Jeff. Talk soon. Yep.